There's a theme of fullness running through this scripture, isn't there? Fullness. Let me read through again just quickly and and see if you can catch all the different kinds of fullness words uh, woven into this text. From verse 24. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you, to make the word of God fully known, the mystery hidden for ages and generations but now revealed to his saints. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you, and for those at Laodicea, and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge." I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Fullness. Completion totality, being brought to perfection, finished, fulfilled. Paul writes all of this as an apostle of Jesus Christ and and he weaves together here between two different things in this text and both of which are being fulfilled by that apostolic ministry. The one thing is, is the revelation of the gospel itself and the other is the work in God's people that that gospel brings about. Paul is a minister of this gospel in terms of its revelation. He is tasked with making the gospel known. Look again through the text at a few verses at how Paul has been set aside by God to fulfill the word of God by this revelation and proclamation of the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Starting, if we could, actually just up a little bit from our text, at the end of verse 23 from last week, where Paul writes about the gospel that you heard, verse 23, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Verse 25, for the sake of his body, that is, the church, of which I became a minister. 
according to the stewardship from God that was given to me, for you, to make the word of God fully known. Verse 29, for this I toil, he says, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. God has taken Paul and set him aside to bring the fullness of his word to us in this gospel. And so Paul's life, like that of of the other apostles, Paul's life is given to the ministry of the gospel, verse 23, which is the ministry that Christ's body, the church, verses 24 and 25, the ministry that we need. So through Paul's work, two things are happening. The fullness of God's word is being made known in all the world. And God's work in his people is being fulfilled through that word. Through Paul's ministry, church planting for one, but also in the unique capacity that these apostolic workers had of of completing the word of God in scripture that comes to its fulfillment in, in the mystery of the gospel that's now been revealed in Jesus Christ. Through that apostolic ministry, Jesus' church is being established and built up as the gospel now goes to all people. And all whom it saves are then being brought to spiritual fullness in Christ through that same gospel. With Christ in them, verse 27. The glory of the mystery is Christ in us. And we, verse 28, become full in Christ. It's a beautiful scripture and it deals with a couple of big questions that might pop out at you from time to time. First of all, you might sometimes ask, or or you might be asked, is there anything lacking here in terms of this revelation of the gospel? Is there anything lacking in this word of the gospel? As we contemplate the gospel of Jesus Christ in these scriptures, is is there anything missing that, that we need to know? There certainly isn't anything missing in God's word to us about this gospel that Paul and the other apostolic workers have written so extensively and clearly and repeatedly about in the New Testament. Paul has written this letter to the Colossians and other letters in the New Testament. Verse 25, why? To make the word of God fully known. What had been hidden in mystery for ages and generations, verse 26, has now been revealed to us. To Jesus' people, verse 27, God has chosen to make known how great the riches of the glory of this mystery are. And that mystery in all its fullness is Christ in us. And Paul, in chapter 2, says he has laboured for this. He has laboured and toiled so that we reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery. And again, he says, that mystery in all its fullness is Christ. Because in Christ, verse 3, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. So, no, my friends, no, nothing is missing from the revelation of the gospel that Paul and the other apostolic workers have laboured so hard to bring us in these scriptures. 
I mean, if they had been ignorant in their task or, or, or careless, then yeah, maybe something might have fallen through the cracks, I guess. But no, they haven't been careless or slack, but hardworking and long-suffering. And no, they haven't been ignorant or, or uninformed in what they're doing. They, they, they know the full depth of the mystery God revealed for us and every treasure it contains. And they have struggled desperately to present it all to us in full in these scriptures, as they were commissioned by Jesus to do. And by the power of Christ himself, verse 29, at work in them to do this. So we have, brothers and sisters, everything we need to know about what God has declared to us all, as to his purposes and desires and expectations of us all, as his people. It's found in this revelation of the gospel. Christ in us and us in Christ. Which throws up a lot of problems for those who insist they have some new revelation or some extra details that the gospel of Christ in the New Testament here skips out, doesn't it? It's problems here in this scripture for those people. More than just problems, actually. The full revelation in this gospel flat out rejects such extra ideas and the people who insist on those extra ideas. And so Paul says clearly in chapter 2, verse 4, I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. What God has revealed to us, he has given to us fully in this gospel of Christ, in these scriptures. And yet we must be on our guard because such deceived and, and deceiving people you know, claiming new or additional revelation from God beyond the Bible, they continue to pop up in our way and they continue to try to delude Christians and, and they do that with plausible arguments. And the great danger with plausible arguments is that, well, they're plausible. They sound fine. If we're not on our guard, that is. But thankfully, the first line of defence against such delusion is, is quite simple, as Paul has just laid out for us right here. Any new revelation that, that goes beyond or against this gospel, the, these apostolic writings of the New Testament and the gospel of Jesus Christ they reveal to us, we can just dismiss any new revelation that goes beyond that. Because there is no lack there is no deficiency. There is nothing missing in this finished word of God. The mysteries that hadn't previously been revealed through the long wait of God's word in the Old Testament age now have been revealed to us in full, in his word to us in the New Testament in Christ. Once again, verse 8, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. Now, someone may bring a particular word of God to you privately, useful for you in that moment. This warning is not speaking of that, I don't think. Assuming that that word does in fact accord with Scripture. 
But those who would come at us and insist that we all need to add something new into our thinking, something beyond the teaching of Christ in this scripture, something contrary to or undermining our fullness in Christ, we can straight up dismiss. And we should straight up dismiss. So too, those who would insist on taking us all backwards, backwards into the age of some degree of mystery in the Old Covenant scriptures, at the expense of this glorious revelation and fulfilment under the New, well, they should equally raise a red flag for us, shouldn't they? Because in Christ are now found all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so we ought not try to hide again what has now been revealed to us in Christ. The other question this scripture deals with today is is more about how we then take in God's word into our life. You know, when from time to time we wonder or, or, or we want to be sure, you know, is there anything that we ourselves lack? as we push on and build our life on this revelation of the gospel truth in Christ, will we be deficient in any way, in our own self, or as Jesus' church together? Well, full knowledge of God's revealed truth in Christ leads to full riches and treasures. Take a look at verse 27, and let me take, uh, first of all, that expression in verse 27, the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. The riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you. Let me take you from that phrase back to uh, verse 19 from last week's passage. Verse 19, where we read, For in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And now, verse 27, Christ in whom all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, Christ in us. Once again, for good measure, it's there again for us in chapter 2 and in verses 9 and 10 of chapter 2. For in Christ the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him. So verse 28, Paul says, Christ we proclaim. And to proclaim Christ is to minister to people with all wisdom. And to what end is he doing this and and the other apostles with him? So that everyone, by this gospel of Jesus Christ, will be presented mature, completed, perfected in Christ. By this gospel... He goes on in chapter 2, By this gospel our hearts will be encouraged. We will be knit together in love. And we will reach all the riches of full assurance in this Christ of our gospel. All the treasures that we could want are to be found. Therefore, verse 6, As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Nothing 
brothers and sisters, nothing is lacking for you and I and for this church in in that sense of what we need for our Christian faith and that expectation of heaven that we hold so dearly. Nothing is lacking in our Christian life and faith built on this gospel of Christ. But in a different sense, perhaps there is yet something lacking in all of this as the mystery unfolds. Not not at all in terms of what we need, of course. As I say, that has been dealt with, comprehensively dealt with, by, by all the fullness language running through this scripture. Nothing is lacking of what we need, brothers and sisters. But rather, perhaps there's a hint in here of something lacking in terms of, you know, what we can actually expect. What we can expect as, as we walk out this Christian faith. What we can expect is, as you know, the fullness of time continues to unfold and, and Jesus completes this building of his church. Because in all the, the fullness language of this scripture today, there is one thing glaringly lacking. In the black and white of these words here, there is something lacking. Verse 24, the extent of Jesus' sufferings over his church. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, says Paul, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church. We need to be careful, of course, that we don't mishear those words. Jesus' suffering for our sin, his suffering and death on that cross for our sin, that is perfect and complete. There is is nothing lacking in that. Have no fear, friends. Our penalty is paid by the blood of Christ. It is paid in full, as this letter indeed so powerfully attests to. But it seems that Christ still endures suffering, verse 24. It seems that Christ still endures suffering through and for the sake of his church which is now part of him. As he patiently builds and refines his people by the power of his gospel, Jesus still suffers with us as we ourselves suffer. Christ in us, after all, and us in Christ. And so the suffering of you and I in in Jesus' church is the suffering of Jesus. We are his body. He is our head. And yet that suffering, whether it be persecution or hardship and discipline, we endure that suffering. Paul here even knows that, that he must yet suffer in his role. Even as Christ's own ambassador, he must suffer, as, as indeed Jesus foretold of Paul's ministry. If you're curious, in Acts chapter 9, when Jesus was setting aside Paul for this ministry work that he's writing about here in Colossians, Jesus said to Ananias of Paul's coming ministry experience, Go, Ananias, for Paul is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. Perhaps, though, we should also be reflecting here that that there is still yet more suffering for the rest of the church too. Not just for Jesus' ministry workers like Paul, but, but for 
his whole church that, that is being established through their ministry. In fact, it's very hard to build any kind of real Christian theology without factoring in from all of these scriptures in the New Testament a, a seemingly necessary component of suffering. And why? Why? Why, we might ask? Well, for one thing, most people reject Jesus, don't they? Most people reject Jesus, and they reject this gospel, and they therefore reject us too. And that's going to lead to hardship if you think about it long enough. The world is stacked against us, just mathematically speaking. And we have a radical message that they don't want to hear, and in all kinds of ways that ultimately creates frustrations and hardships and tensions and conflict, there's going to be suffering at that kind of level. But at a much more fundamental level, the gospel doesn't put this, this full glory that we're talking about here into our hot little hands just yet, does it? We wait, don't we? We wait. We hope, we expect, we know. With all assurance we know, but for now, so too we must wait. And we wait in a fallen world. And we're not exempt from its impacts. But while we wait like that, we know that Jesus is still building his church. And that means he's still growing us and shaping us and bringing us to maturity. And so too it means that there are still more people Jesus will yet save with this beautiful gospel that saved us. And so Paul rejoices. Paul rejoices for his part in all of this suffering because it means those two things are ongoing, saving more and maturing more. Praise God and hallelujah. The scope and scale of this glory of the gospel only gets bigger and more glorious with each passing day. So the other line of defence I feel we must touch on today, to keep us safe from that deceit that, that wants to take us captive and, and strip us of all this life and hope, the other line of defence is about the fullness of our Christian experience. Because some deceivers will come at us insisting that something is missing, not so much in the revelation of the gospel that we have in scripture, they might, they might steer clear of that one, but they might insist that there's something missing in our own Christian experience. They'll say, something missing in our own experience. They'll insist that we need something extra to this gospel to, you know, really unlock our, our full potential and calling. They'll argue that the gospel has, yeah, it has the power to save people, sure, but, but not to take them higher. You know, you need something else to take you higher. Or they'll just point to our suffering, our hardship, our struggle, and they'll say, you know, that's not how it should be. And that's not how it would be. If only you did X. Or if only you had Y. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and, and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. We have been filled in him. So too we now walk in him.
And just for the record, thank you, Apostle Paul, just for the record, we now know that this is what it will be like in the meantime. We're going to struggle. We're going to have troubles. We're going to have money woes and health crises and and, and conflict in the workplace. and, and, And we're just going to feel undone at times. But take heart, brothers and sisters, because this is what it looks like to walk in Christ in the meanwhile. Suffering, in some beautiful mystery here, suffering is now part and parcel of the filling up of the fullness of God's glory that he is setting aside for us all in heaven. You may have noticed as we've read through this that verse 28 there in Colossians chapter 1, verse 28 is our own church's vision statement. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom, that we may present everyone mature in Christ. There's a very good reason we adopted that verse to guide our little church. Three very good reasons, in fact. One, because Jesus has yet more people who need to receive this full revelation that God has given us. And two, because we who have heard it still need to grow to maturity through this gospel. And thirdly, because both of those two things, these twin missions, it seems, of Jesus and and his apostles like Paul here, both of those things are anchored in Christ purely and simply in Christ. So him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. We dare not overstep as a church what has been revealed to us by God in these scriptures, and nor do we need to because every mystery is revealed in Christ. And in Christ, we will all attain to maturity. All the riches of the hope of glory are given to us in Christ. Verse 28 shows us both things that Jesus is doing and that both of them are complete, perfect in him. There's nothing missing, brothers and sisters, in this gospel of Jesus Christ. God hasn't left anything out. Through Christ in us, and us in Christ, we will come into all the glory that God has promised to us, and we'll come into it in full. Indeed, it's already ours. It's already ours. But we must just wait for it in the meantime, enduring and rejoicing as we go, with the full assurance of our certain hope in this glory. So stand firm then, brothers and sisters, in this faith in Christ. And let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this scripture and and, and the assurance of fullness here that it gives us, both fullness of your word to us and fullness in terms of your work in us. And we pray, Father, that you would therefore strengthen us in our faith in Christ. Help Help us to endure the hardships of the meanwhile as we wait. And as we wait, Father, sharpen our eyes so that we can see those who would seek to bind us, whether with false revelations or worldly wisdom or whatever, help us to see them. Keep us safe, dear Lord, 
and keep us faithful in Christ. Keep us standing firm and confident as we walk in Christ, right into the full glory of your gospel, world without end. Amen.